The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, so welcome to our online midweek service. We are on the series Heartstrings, and we are looking at New Testament worship. New Testament worship. Let's open our Bibles again to our theme scripture, Genesis chapter number 22, and from verse 1. Genesis 22 and verse 1. Um, we have seen quite a lot since last week, um, but I just want us to just get on it so that we can continue the teaching. Hallelujah. He said, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him. Now, that word tempt is an interesting word. He said, God did tempt Abraham. Now, the Bible says in James chapter 1, all right, verse 13 to 14, the Bible says that God does not tempt any man with evil, neither is he tempted of, all right, all right, of evil, but every good and perfect gift comes from what? The Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So when you say it says that God did tempt Abraham, he was not tempting Abraham to do evil. Are you following? All right, that what tempt there, all right, is to test. Okay. Um, for example, when we um, do this um, test for starch. How many of you did test for starch in school? Remember that? Where you would take a carbohydrate material, then I think you put iodine or something, right, inside. Then it changed a co- the color. Now, your application of that iodine, all right, was to demonstrate that what was present, that carbohydrate was what? Was present. So the test you did was to prove, hallelujah, that what? That something you knew was present, was present. You knew was present. Hallelujah. But others could not see, had no way of knowing that that stuff was present. Until iodine was added, then it changed color. Are you seeing that? So we called it the test for what? The test for starch. So this is the same thing here where it says God did tempt Abraham. What did he tempt Abraham for? He tempted Abraham for faith in Christ. Hallelujah. He tempted Abraham for what? To faith in Christ. So what God was doing was that God wanted to bring into the physical dimension, into the physical plane, a demonstration of the faith that was already in Abraham's heart. How do we know this? By the instruction God gave him. Now look at what he says. He says, all right, and he said, behold, here am I. I am. Verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac. Notice. He said, take now thy son, thy only son, what? Isaac. Isaac was not the only son, all right, that Abraham had. Abraham had, at this point, two sons. He had Ishmael, who was 13 years older than Isaac. Hallelujah. At this age, I think Isaac should have been, say, 18 or 20, which would have meant that Ishmael was about 33, 30, 33. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, thine only son, Remember, I said he's testing for faith for Christ. John 3, 16, what does he say? For God so loved this world, God, for God so loved the world, that he gave his what? His only begotten son. 
So what we were seeing was God was testing Abraham to show and demonstrate that he had faith in God giving his only begotten son. So God asked Abraham to give his only son, all right, the only son that he loved as a demonstration of the faith that Abraham had in the offering of Christ. Hallelujah. Now look at it. It says, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and notice, thy son, whom thou what? Lovers, two things. All right. Remember, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and Jesus comes out, the Bible says, A voice came from heaven. This is my what? What? This is my what? Beloved Son, in whom I am what? Well pleased. So, just as God was giving his beloved Son, Abraham was told to give his beloved Son. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. So he said, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a what? For a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Mountains which I will tell thee of. This is actually an, a hill. Glory to God. A hill. All right. The land of Moriah, the plains of Moriah, or the hill of Moriah, is actually the place and the area where Calvary was located. All right. It's called the place of skulls. That was where Jesus, all right, was offered on the cross. That's where Jesus Christ was crucified. Praise God. All right. Because it's a long, continuous plain. Glory to God. So God said, Take your son and offer him as a burnt offering in the place where we show you. Are you seeing this? So that means that the steps of Abraham was prophetic. He was not going on a mission, you know, in the senses. God was taking him by the spirit of prophecy into the future, glory to God, forecasting, all right, and foretelling that at this same spot where I've asked you to give your only son, I will give my word only son. As Abraham will demonstrate in the preceding, in the following verses. He said, And offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. Look at verse 3. Everybody read one to go. It says, What? And Abraham rose up early in the morning and sat with his house and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and cleaved the wood for the burnt offering. Glory to God. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had what? Told him. Praise God. Uh huh. Next, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Glory to God. And 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the land will go yonder, and worship, and come again to you. Glory to God. All right. Now, he says, I and the land will go yonder, and what? And worship. So Abraham was calling the activity they were about to carry on, carry out, he was calling it what? Worship. It was what? Worship. Now, we don't see them carrying any musical instruments here. Amen. We don't see drums. We don't see singers. Which means that primarily, because this is the first time the word worship appears in scripture, it means primarily worship does not have to do with piano. Worship does not have to do with music. Glory to God. Worship primarily does not have to do with music and singing and dancing. No, sir. Worship doesn't primarily have to do with that. Because here, they were going to offer a sacrifice. So the worship was in the sacrifice. So it says, um, and the Lord will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, I many of you noticed something that is very interesting. 
Abraham was confident that they would come again to them. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So that means Abraham was not intending to come back without Isaac. I don't know what you understand what I'm saying. Which meant Abraham knew, amen, and understood what he was doing. Glory to God. He says, and Abraham said unto this young man, I'll come again to you. Verse 6, everywhere you want to go, he says what? And laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went, both of them were together. Verse 7. He now says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Yeah, my, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Look at verse 8. Look at Abraham's words. He says, And Abraham said, My son. God will provide himself a lamb for a bond offering. So that means Abraham was clearly telling Isaac, you are not the lamb. Glory to God. Are you seeing this? You are not the lamb. He said God will provide himself. God will provide himself. So you are not the lamb God will provide. Abraham knew that. Amen. Abraham knew that. He said, provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Hallelujah. Now verse 9, everybody read. What does he say? He says what? And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10. He now says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 11. He now says what? And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and said, Here am I. Verse 12. He now says, And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thy anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Now, in the book of Hebrews, glory to God, in the book of Hebrews, Hallelujah. The Bible lets us know that Abraham, glory to God, all right, received Isaac back to him, all right, from the dead as a figure. Look at this. Let's go there. Hebrews 11, I believe. Now, let us start from verse 8. All right, can we read? What does it say? Mm-hmm. By faith, when Abraham was called to go out into what? Mm-hmm. Yes. Go on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. For he looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Now, can we go to like verse 15 so that we get to, because I'm going to 19. All right. Verse 15, it says what? 
15 says, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have reformed. But now they reside a better country that is unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared for them a city. Which means, all the while, when these guys were on earth, they had an heavenly, right? A heavenly kingdom, a heavenly city in mind. God had shown it to them. They had seen the kingdom of God in the Holy Ghost by Christ. They had seen it. So when the Bible says, all right, faith is the substance of things to come. Glory to God. The things to come were the things they had seen. Hallelujah. Are you following? So it was the things that had been shown to them that was going to come to pass in the future. They had faith in it in the now. Glory to God. So Abraham had been shown Christ and the offering of Christ that this was coming. And this Christ and his offering will bring everlasting righteousness on the earth. Abraham believed it even though Jesus had not yet come. But he had been shown it, so he believed it. Hallelujah. Now look at it in verse um, 17. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was what? Talk to me. When he was what? Tried. Tried. When he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received and he that had received notice and he that had received and he that had received so at the point he offered out isaac he had received the promises what promises were made to abraham the promise that was made to abraham was salvation through faith in christ jesus Romans 4, 1 to 6, glory to God. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 13 to 24. He said, he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. 18. Of whom it was said that in what? In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now when he says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Galatians 3.16 tells us that the seed being referred to is Christ. Are you following? So when God said to Abraham, in Isaac shall thy seed be called, he's saying, in Isaac shall Christ come true. So that means Christ is going to be a descendant of who? Isaac and not what? Ishmael. Now, I've told you many times, when you look at that period between Abraham and the patriarchs, where you're talking about the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. Primarily, the blessing was to be the lineage through whom the Son of God was going to come. Because whosoever got the blessing, all right, got the right to be the lineage through what the Son of God will come. Are you following what I'm saying here? So, for example, when you had with Abraham, you had Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac got the blessing. Ishmael got the gift. Isaac getting the blessing meant that what? That what? Christ was going to come to where? Christ was going to come to where? Isaac. Some have said, oh, the blessing that Isaac got was material prosperity. Glory to God. Ah, okay. I said, okay. No problem. Let's think it through. Ishmael, according to anthropology, is the father of the Arabs. Who are sitting on the largest oil reserves in the world. So, you know, that means that Ishmael is UAE, Dubai, Saudi Arabia. 
How many of you know these guys are royalty people? How many of you know they are really rich? How many of you know they are really, 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 really rich? Many of you, your prayer and your confession is to go to Dubai. Money for Dubai. Money for Dubai. And when you land in Dubai, you are going to give testimony that you are in Dubai. Yet, Ishmael didn't get the blessing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, the blessing Isaac was that Isaac was selected to be the lineage through Christ will come. Then when Isaac had Esau and Jacob, praise God, the blessing coming on Jacob meant that the plan of God for salvation followed who? Jacob's lineage. And not what? Esau. Then when he came to Jacob, glory to God, all right, and the blessing was going to rest. Guess who he rested on? It rested on who? Judah. Oh, he rested on Judah. You think it rested on Joseph, right? No, it rested on Judah. Glory to God. Because the Bible says that the lawgiver will not depart from his feet. till Shiloh comes. So that means Judah was given the kingship. Judah was given the rulership. Judah was what was given the what? The right to be king over Israel. That's why Jesus came through Judah. And he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise God. I said praise God. Praise God. Are you following so far? Are you following so far? So it was true that lineage, all right, that the, by the election of God, by grace, for whom the lineage through whom the Son of God will come, that's where the blessing was. Now, we were reading now, it says, Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed, because that is in Isaac shall Christ be called. Glory to God. Now look at verse 19. In 19, it says, Accounting, this is Abraham, listen, you know. Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a what? In a figure. Now, notice that what we are looking at is a picture of what? Worship. So, this is worship. In that God instructs Abraham, go and offer up your son. And the offering of Abraham, the instruction to Abraham to offer up, Isaac, glory to God, was a test. A test to show what? A test to show that Abraham had faith in the Christ. Are you following me so far? Are you following me so far? Because in that God has told Abraham, in Isaac shall Christ be called, Abraham would have understood that since Isaac has not given birth to children, it is not possible for Isaac to die. So even though he told me to offer up Isaac, I know that even if he dies, God will raise him up again. Are you following? So you now find that Abraham passed the test because Abraham believed, glory to God, in the Christ, and he believed that the Christ, though, that, though he would die, will rise again. So that's why I said, from whence also he received him in a what? In a figure, in a typology. So in the eyes of God, Abraham, Isaac was offered, he died, and rose from the dead. In the eyes of Abraham too, he saw him, he saw Isaac offered, and Isaac restored back to him again. Glory to God. So that's why Abraham is called the father of faith, because he was the first to really demonstrate his faith in the, in the promised Christ. There were others before him, like Abel. There were others before him, like Noah. But Abraham is the first. 
Glory to God. To what? To demonstrate his faith in Christ and to what? Lead a nation. Glory to God. Raise a lineage of people who believe the same. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now we said that that expression worship is the Hebrew shakar. And shakar means to submit. It means to surrender. All right. It means to submit, to surrender. In literal Hebrew, shakar means to prostrate. That's what it means. So, for example, when you, say, uh, when you see a Jew say he is worshipping, he will go face flat. Are you following? He will go what? Face flat. The, the Muslims have some form of it because in the Oriental religion, a, a, a way of showing submission or acknowledgement of a deity, all right, there is a posture they have. It's called proskinesis. So in proskinesis, all right, what happens is that you have to genuflect or, you know, come to a lower position to demonstrate that this person you are genuflecting for is superior to you. You submit to the person and you surrender to the person. Are you following what I'm saying? So you find that um, in the Oriental religions, uh, maybe Islam and all of that, even Jew Judaism, all right, whenever they want to show obedience to God, they go you know, prostrate, or in the Muslim's case, they go on their this and they bow down and, and, and all of that. So that is actually shaka in the practical, literal sense. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. So that's what it means in the practical, literal sense. It always has to do with a posture. You, they, would, they would go down on their knees or go, you know, lay prostrate. There's nothing wrong with us doing that in the New Testament. You understand? When you're worshiping God, you go face flat. There's nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with that because you see sometimes the posture of your body reveals the posture of your heart. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> posture of your body reveals the posture of your heart. So, worship, being shakar, being prostration, then being metaphorically speaking to submission shows us that true worship is first and foremost a submitted life and a surrendered life. So a man can sing worship songs and not truly be worshipping. An individual can do, can write worship songs and sing worship songs and not truly be worshipping. So if worship is first and foremost about the sacrifice and the posture we take in re relationship to the sacrifice, but we've seen the, the, the worship of Abraham was about the sacrifice of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. It was the worship of the sacrifice of Jesus. And the posture of Abraham was, I surrender absolutely, O God, to your will. I surrender absolutely, to, O God, to your will concerning salvation. So, I agree and I submit to your will. I agree and I submit to your plan concerning salvation. That, that's not where it stops. It also means I submit and surrender to your will, to your plan concerning my life. Because if you look at Abraham's life, it was a continuous lifestyle of submission. 
So God tells Abraham, get out of your father's house to a place I'm going to show you. Then he goes. Then all through Abraham's life, Abraham's life was a story of following the leading of God's spirit and going where God told him to go. Which means that we cannot even completely teach faith without connecting it to worship. Because true faith is worshiping God. Because true faith agrees with what God is saying. True faith agrees with God's plan. True faith agrees with what God's will. True faith submits to God's plan, submits to God's will. Therefore, true faith is worship. Praise the Lord. True faith is worship. True faith is worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. True faith is worship. Now, <clears throat> I may have remember the story of Saul. I may remember the story of Saul. Saul was told by, pay attention. Saul was told by the Lord or by Samuel that he should go and wage war with the Amalekites. Remember that? What was the instruction? Kill everything that moves. Okay? Kill everything that moves. So I want to say, ah, what kind of instruction is that? Well, praise the Lord. I won't get into all of that now. <laughs> all I know is in the book. The instruction was, kill everything that moves. Amen. Now, you see, many people don't understand something very important. Many people, when you read the Old Testament, they'll ask questions like, how can a good God command Jiget now? The Old Testament was a period where you had the reign of sin and death. Do you understand? The reign of sin and death, death and sin did not only reign in the Jews. It also reigned where? In the Gentiles. Which means nothing got done under that dispensation without death. Are you following? I'll give you an example. For example, you find in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, the Bible lets us know that Daniel goes to pray to God and says, All right, uh, there's a prophecy I understood by books, Daniel 9. I understood, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of days where which Israel is supposed to be in captivity, according to the prophecy of Jeremiah, is supposed to be how many years? 70 years. Then he says that it's almost 70 years. I want to know what's up. How far? When are we going back to Jerusalem? Daniel goes to pray. And as he's praying, Gabriel comes to him. And Gabriel comes to tell him, he says, listen, I have just been held up by the prince of Persia in the, in the heavenly realms. All right. And I was there within 21 days contending. Okay. Then he now says, when you continue praying, another angel was sent, Michael, which is the prince of Israel. That is the angelic uh archangel that is responsible for what god's agenda and plan for the nation of israel at least until christ came we don't know after but we know that until christ came the guy who was doing things was what was michael gabriel was passing the message glory to god now bible lets us now know that after um it was done with daniel he said i'm going back to the battle I'm going to join Michael and dethrone the prince of Persia so that the prince of Grecia can come. Are you following? Now, he goes on and gives Daniel a lot of prophecies. And in those prophecies, what he was saying was that there's going to arise war between Persia and Greece. The kingdom of Persia and Greece. And Greece will overthrow, what do you call it? Overthrow um, Persia. Then there will be wars in this new kingdom. All right, that will be formed by the Greeks and it will divide into four. 
where you now start talking about the king of the north. Remember king of the north in Daniel, Daniel 9, 10, 11? King of the north, king of the south, king of the east. He's talking about, all right, the wars that followed the death of Alexander the Great. You understand? So, all of the shaping of the kingdoms till the Roman Empire happened by wars. Because it was a period of the reign of what? Sin and death. The devil couldn't get things done except men died. <laughs> and the angels of God couldn't do anything over people over whom the devil ruled. You know that the kingdom of the Gentiles, who was their king? He was the devil. And as Jesus shed his blood, no. Were anybody filled with the Holy Ghost? Were the Holy Ghost living anybody? No. Could anybody pray in tongues? No. So for things to happen, people had to die. Hallelujah. So what happened with David? David had to go to Canaan, then fight, 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 so that they would not have enough territory where the law of Moses will be the one that is decent. And no sacrifice was offered to any other person, any other God, except Jehovah. Are you following that? Because any territory where they offered sacrifices and consulted with demonic spirits, those demons had authority in that space. Are you following? So if you wanted their territory, you had two options. Convert them so that they stop offering the sacrifice. That means get them born again, which was not what? It was not what? Possible. Or you took them out and took their place so that you control the territory. So those things occurred until Jesus came. So when Jesus came, it was no longer necessary. The Holy Ghost was given. So what God told David to do, Take territory by fighting wars. He has now told the church to do. To take territory by preaching the gospel. So as we are preaching the gospel. Instead of killing to take the territory. We give them life to take the territory. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Because that man is not the same man. He's a new creation. So instead of offering sacrifices to the devil. He's offering what? Alright. Prayers to God. Which now means that in that space. In that territory. Whose will is done there? God's. One of these days, I'm going to sit down and teach you guys about altars, taking you from the perspective of the Old Testament so you understand some things. Glory to God. You understand because you need to understand the realm of the Spirit and how it connects to the, 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 the earth realm. An altar is a connection between the earth and the heaven. You understand? It is where spirits consult with men. And men consult with spirits. You understand? So in the Old Testament, you find that there were altars raised unto God. And in the altars raised unto God, men had encounters. All right? With God. Because if the altar was up to God, then it means they wanted to fellowship with God. For example, Jacob raised that altar at Bethel. Where the Bible says he had a dream and angels were ascending and what? Descending. And he had encounters with God and angels because he raised an altar. In the same way, when all these other Gentile nations raised altars to devils, Baal-zebub, Al-Staroth, they had fellowship with devils, giving them rights, all right, and permission in their territory. So whenever Israel wanted to take their territory, the actual fact was that most times there will first be a spiritual battle before there was a what? 
a physical battle. That's why one of the best persons to understand spiritual warfare that went on before the physical battles, we had number one, we had Deborah in the book of Judges, where the Bible says the stars in their courses fought against what? Sisera. The stars she's talking about in that story is not talking about physical stars. Stars there is referring to angels. Glory to God. Angels. So what is Deborah telling you? He said, I, we fought physics spiritually first before we settled it what? So that was why Deborah could tell, all right, the soldier, what's not that soldier that she sent with him um, to go and fight, all right? All right, she could tell him that, listen, you are not the one that will win the battle. There is a woman that will kill Sisera, the commander of, of the army of Jabin. So you, we will talk about that some other time. Hallelujah. Because so that you will understand that except in the Old Testament, except that physical human being offering that sacrifice in that territory, under that sacrifice to devils, in that territory was displaced. Are you following? All right. It was the same reason why Israel lost their territory when they stopped offering the sacrifices to the Lord and when they stopped, you know, fellowshipping with the Lord and, and all of that. The moment they started following after Baal and following after, what happened? They lost their territory because the, the kingdom of darkness wanted their territory. Because as long as Israel kept doing what they were doing, the kingdom of darkness would not be able to do what they want to do in that space. And the devil knew, glory to God, that Christ was going to come through Israel. So he had to do every single thing to ensure that God's plan, all right, for Christ to come to Israel was not actualized. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Come on, is this clear? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So, all right, so worship is more about submission and surrendering, all right, to God's plan and purpose, all right, as revealed in Christ, God's plan and purpose for your life. So it is not about singing songs. Not about singing songs. Look at what Jesus said. Or what the psalmist said about Jesus and the writer of Hebrew quotes. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to read from verse 4. This is important. Look what he says. For it is, listen. I was trying to talk to you about, before I got into all I said, I was trying to talk to you about who? Saul. And how that God gave the instruction to Saul to go and destroy Amalek and kill all the people there. Now, remember, worship is what? Submission, surrender, and obedience. That's what worship is. Right? Right? Huh. Now, he goes and fights Amalek. Now, remember, it was Samuel that gave him the instruction. And Samuel was a prophet. It means Samuel had settled the spiritual part. Oh, are you following what I'm saying? Samuel had settled the spiritual part, which means go. I've settled this, the main one, so you will win. So I went there. And they fought. Pesh, pesh, pesh. And they won the battle. Then he saw the king of Amalek. I said, ah, ah, fine boy. Eh? Because, you know, before he was king, he used to envy the king of Amalek, you know, like maybe, you know, the king of Nigeria before he was president. Or before the president of he actually is acting like a king, all right. But the president of Nigeria before he was, you know, was president. You understand? Maybe was admiring maybe uh, the president of Saudi 
PhD or something. Then, you know, he now becomes president and he fights. Then he defeats the president. You understand? He wants to kill him because he was a, you know. So I saw, I said, uh, you're my brother. Climb the chariot. Let's go. Then he saw fine, fine babes in Amadek. Ah, kill them. Why now? No, now. Ah, no, I don't think the instruction included these uh, Beyonce looking babes. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Then they now saw, you know, uh, um, animals and ah, uh, uh, this thing can add to the dog, you know, the gross domestic product. Ah, uh, uh, no, 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 no. So they left the sheep, they didn't kill. God said, destroy everything because Moses had cursed Amalek. Why? Because when the children of Israel were crossing, Amalek came to fight. So Moses cursed them. Are you following? So Samuel's job was to, because Samuel read it. Samuel said, yeah, go on. let's go and carry out the curse of the prophet Moses. <laughs> but he didn't. Then Samuel came to meet. Eh? So, Broyer, Afana, did you carry out the instruction? What he saw said, ah, I have now. 100%. You see, that's, that's something that amazed me about Saul. And that's, Saul is a picture of many believers today. Giving clear-cut instruction, we disobey, but are arrogant in their disobedience. Ah, uh -uh. I did everything. What are you saying? I did everything. You hear someone say something? What kind of God is this one? I'm angry with God. I did everything that I was supposed to do. Yet, see my life. You did everything. Really. Really. You joined for the 6 a.m. prayer meeting. Or you played the Zoom. Why you were doing other things? We can see you in the the in the distance that you are with us praying. But are you actually praying? Or are you allowing Anna to be going? And everybody's just you are just she's radio. You understand? <laughs> so you are letting the, the tongues play on. You did everything. When they said let's go for outreach, were you there? You did everything. When they were teaching you faith, did you listen? Did you apply the principles? He says, meditate day and night. I mean, did you really meditate? Did you? So you're like Saul. Did you David? Ah, did everything. Then Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep that I hear? Then Saul said, Ah, it's not me. It's not me. The people. The people. Then what was Samuel's response? He said, obedience is better than what? So which means, worship is not the offering of bulls and goats. Are you following? Are you following? What was faith that Abraham exhibited and what was worship Abraham exhibited was not that he offered Isaac. It was that God told him to offer Isaac and he what? Obeyed. God told him where to offer Isaac and he did what? Obeyed. So the key was what? Obedience. Obedience. That word is so, you know, it's such a word many people don't want to hear. 
True worship is obedience, surrender, submission, obedience. That's worship. God's word says it, I align. God's word says it, that settles it. Obedience. True worship. Obedience. Sam um, Saul did all of the shenanigans, but he didn't obey. Hallelujah. He didn't obey. Glory to God. Now look at Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 4. Look at what he says. He says, okay, I think we should start from verse 1 so you can see the context. Because in our worship to God, you know that many, you can organize praise and worship concerts and no worship actually went on. You know that? You can organize it and no worship actually happened. So, for example, a pastor organizes praise and worship concerts. The first place to know whether worship actually happened is this. Did God tell Baba, the pastor, to organize that program? Or is it strategy? Oh, us on the rock this experience. 600,000 gathered. So let us call our own experience. Blessing and experience. Glory to God. Have you noticed that in the body of Christ, there's a lot of copy copy that goes on? Have you noticed it? Ah, copycat. Ah, ah, copycat. Then we will now lie on the Holy Ghost at a, at a point in the night. The Spirit of the Lord. Everybody is doing early morning prayer now on Facebook and YouTube. My pastor started that. You understand? Now I think Jerry Easy also started it. But everybody now is doing early morning prayer on Facebook. I saw one person was like, carry phone. I was, I'm like, <laughs> the very concept <laughs> of praying and recording yourself for people to see, I don't know it. I don't understand it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't understand it. Do you understand? Now, there's nothing wrong with early money prayer. If God told you to do it, at least the people that God told to do it, they are getting results. Miracles are happening. Are you following? But also, let me also warn you that miracles are happening. In something you are doing, it's no justification that God told you to do it. God told Moses to speak to rock. He hit the rock. Water came out. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So, water came out. But was that the instruction? No. So, don't use supernatural manifestations as an indication that God told you to do something. Are you people following what I'm saying? So, worship is obedience, surrender, submission. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See, how do you measure whether or not you are growing spiritually? You measure your spiritual growth in obedience. Did you hear what I said? Spiritual growth is not measured in how many scriptures you can quote. It is not measured in how many Greek and Hebrew you can put together. Spiritual growth is measured in your capacity to obey God. Turn left, you turn. Turn right, you turn. In fact, there are some folks who don't know as much scriptures, but they are turnable when God wants to turn them. But there are some people who can give you, you know, they, they are very cerebral, but they, it's a long time they hear from God. Ah, may it never be, an, uh, may I never celebrate anniversary of when I had, I had from God last. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. May we not be where at the position of what God said. Instead of being what God is saying, at what God is saying for me now, what is the instruction? I, I need to be current. Don't you want to be current with what God wants you to do? Praise God. Someone said, oh, you want to know what God wants you to do? It's in the Word. Brother, shut up. It's also in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. God calls a man to ministry. It's not in the Word when he should start. It's not in the word where it should start. But it's in the word that the Holy Ghost will what? We direct him. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. Now it says, For the Lord having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commerce there unto perfect. You see that? So that means the bulls and goats, they were not it. Hmm? Now, but then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Verse 3. One to go everybody read. It says what? But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins we are every year. For, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should what? Take away sins. So basically, God had no pleasure in all those 1,000 offerings of Solomon. How many of you noticed that it was not the 1,000 offerings of Solomon that moved God? It was Solomon's faith. You understand? It was Solomon's faith. But Solomon was like, look, I can't lead these people by myself. But with your help, I can. Are you following? Faith would always commandeer a manifestation from God. Obedience will always commandeer a response from the realm of the Spirit. Obedience. Hallelujah. Obedience. See, if there is a lot of confessing, and gyrating and little obedience, you will not see much manifestation. Did you hear what I said? You can have a lot of gyrating, a lot of dancing, a lot of movement, but if there is no obedience to what the Spirit says to do, you will not see a lot of what? Manifestation. Let me give you an example. This church, our church. All right. The Spirit of God had said years ago for us to plant branches, you know. And all of that. But some things happened in the ministry. We missed our steps. Then some fleshly display came up. You know what the devil normally does whenever God has a great plan for a ministry is that he starts microaggressions within the ministry. You know, offense. This person will be offended with this person. Husband will be fighting wife. Then friend will fight friend. Then worker will fight worker. So everybody now begins to pay attention to nonsense. You understand? And not focused on the work. You understand? That happened in our ministry. You understand? It happened in our ministry. Some people left. You know, some people got offended and things like that. So instead of us reaching out, we began to reach in. Do you understand? And that's what the devil does. His strategy has not changed. It's the same strategy. So, last year again, the Lord said, 2021 is your year of what? Spreading. You are going to plant 10 churches all around the world. 10. And it's going to be the beginning, thing, beginning of you planting churches everywhere. I'm going to multiply this church, this ministry, to be everywhere. And he said, because I've not called you to a local ministry. I've called you to a what? A global ministry. That was a 45-minute vision. Very clear. Very easy. I can still see what the Lord showed me. And by the grace of God, since we stepped out, glory to God, 
our membership in Oikea Christian Center has grown by like two and a half in just three, four months. Praise God. I'm talking about physical mentorship. I'm talking about virtual membership. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Obedience. If I sat there and didn't take step, what would happen? We would see where we were. Glory to God. Somebody, one of our members in Oikea CC UK. You know we have a UK church. Praise God. We do. We have a UK church. Glory to God. It meets virtually. We have an American church. Hallelujah. And Canada, Canadian church. They meet virtually. Praise God. They will soon move to on-site. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. We have people in Hungary. They meet virtually. Praise God. All by the instructions of the Lord. One of the members of our church in the or she was here before, she called me. And she said, Pastor Femi, I'm so excited by what God is doing in Oikea. That every time I tune in to watch the Sunday services, I'm seeing people I don't know come to share the word. She said, who is Pastor Jide? He sounds like you. It's like the grace on you. They just put it in another slim body and it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, they were talking about Pastor Tolani that. Oh man, Pastor T is Pastor T now. She's not PF's wife. She is a ministry gift in her own right. I was like, bless God. Hallelujah. All of those things come by obedience. God says, do this, you obey. Are you following what I'm saying? Because there are certain things that will not follow until you obey. And that obedience is worship. Because worship is what? Surrender. Praise God. Worship is, I put down the crown of my intellect. I put down the crown of my degrees. I put down the crown of my ambition. What I want. My pleasures. My desires. I put it down. And I surrender to your plan. Oh God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? That is worship. That is worship. That's what worship is. So worship is not a song. Worship is a lifestyle. Because in the sacrifice of Jesus, we can see worship in Jesus. Jesus at Gethsemane was seeing what he had to do. Men were going to spit on him, beat him. He was going to be humiliated, the son of God. Do you think that is beans? It was, it was bad enough that God became man. The first time God was experiencing humanity was in Jesus. Glory to God. Do you understand? It's like this. The man who created the laptop does not know how it is to be a laptop. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? He knows how a laptop works. If something is wrong, he knows how to fix it. But he is not a laptop. He created the laptop. In Jesus, God became the laptop. Hallelujah. He became one of us. God never knew before how it is to sleep. Jesus slept. He didn't know how it is to poo-poo. He poo-pooed. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. He was tired. He was thirsty. He, got to, he was angry too. Glory to God. Jesus got to a fruit tree. And he was hungry. I mean, if you have been hungry before. And you got home and there wasn't food. And you were angry. 
righteous anger. Jesus got to that tree, Mark 11. And the Bible said he came to look for fruit there. He was like, he, you know, he didn't say, John, go and pluck it. So you understand, hunger, why around? He went there himself, went there, was looking for stick. Where is fruit? Ah, you mean there are all leaves here, no fruits? <laughs> he was angry. Bible says, he crossed, he said, no man eat of thee. Nonsense. Let's go and find food. <laughs> then after that, Jesus now was going to be arrested by men. Listen, he was going to be arrested by men. And this was Jesus that had the power and authority to deliver himself. He could ask for angels. And God will listen to him, even if it was against his will. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, don't you think when Peter took a knife and cut off the air of Marcos, Jesus said, what's wrong with you, Peter? He said, don't you think I could readily ask for 12 legions of angels and my father will give it to me? He said, I could ask. At Gethsemane, he was praying. The Bible said he was praying. He told the disciples, watch with me one hour. They couldn't. They didn't understand what was going on and Jesus was praying. The Bible said that he prayed till what? Great drops, his sweat appeared like blood. He prayed and he was in so much anguish that the capillaries under his skin busted and mingled with the sweat and he was, he was sweating blood. That was the intense agony he was, grappling with this thing. Grappling with this thing, showing us again that through prayer causes us to align with God's will. And many times when we are struggling with following God's will in, an, in a particular area of our life, the place of alignment is the place of what? Prayer. Hallelujah. So you should go into the place of prayer and battle that misalignment until there is an alignment. So Jesus went to Gethsemane and for it took three hours to align back. So after three hours, he came saying, not my will. But what? So he didn't get up from prayer until the will. His will was what? Aligned to God's will. Praise God. Praise God. So Jesus at Gethsemane faced the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, because the only thing that kept him from aligning with God's will was what? The flesh. And he put them under. Because the pride of life, lots of the eyes is, what are you talking about? There's political power. I could be king. I could be influential. I could lead an army. And with supernatural power. You know, Jesus walked on water. You think he cannot move some things? That's Jesus. He will call fire from heaven. You think fire, if Jesus caught fire from heaven in Luke 9, it will come down? It will come down. But he didn't. Not that he couldn't. He didn't. Praise God. Aligning so God's will kept Jesus from doing what he shouldn't do. Alignment to God's will kept Jesus from misrepresenting God. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus, and guess how many gets up, is arrested, beaten, slapped, spat at, at the house of Pontius Pilate in the high priest's place. All right, then he goes, humiliated. Humiliated. Every step Jesus took to the cross was a step in worship. 
Every step he took was a step in obedience. When they hung him on that cross, that is the picture of worship. Remember, Abraham and Isaac were going to Mount Moriah to sacrifice. That sacrifice was worship. Hallelujah. Jesus on that cross, that was worship to God. Because in Jesus we see the picture of complete, absolute, total surrender and alignment to God's plans and purpose. Irrespective of your desires, irrespective of your wants, irrespective of your ambition, irrespective of your crown. Worship. So worship is deeper than singing songs. So when somebody comes, all right, for example, when you come to church, when we are singing songs, what are we doing? We are participating in our worship. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says in Philippians, look at Philippians chapter 3. Is it 3? Yeah, 3, 2. This is where we are, the circumcision. Philippians 3, 2, quickly. So when we sing songs in the New Testament, we are singing songs about our worship. What is our worship? The offering of Jesus. The body of Jesus. Is that correct? Is that correct? We said in the Old Testament, first time worship chakra showed up, all right, it was for the offering of a sacrifice. Is that correct? Is that correct? So that means the worship was in the offering of the what? The sacrifice. Now, Jesus is the Lamb of God offered for us, which means that Jesus, glory to God, is what? The sacrifice offered to God, amen, all right, for the remission of our sins. And that sacrifice is worship toward to God. And that worship to God, the sacrifice, the offering of the body of Jesus, is the only accepted sacrifice, amen, that brought about the justification of mankind. Are you following? Are you following? So when we sing, our singing should be done, glory to God, about what? That worship. That sacrifice. So our words must align with that worship. With that what? Sacrifice. Glory to God. So our worship to God is found in Christ's worship to God. Our sacrifice to God is found in Christ's sacrifice to God. For Jesus offered himself to the Father. Jesus Christ offered... Now, now, now you know... The offering of the body of Jesus to the Father was not for the Father because, you know, that sacrifice of Jesus was actually to redeem us from the consequences of what? Of Adam's transgression. But the reason why it was to the Father was because it was the Father's plan. Are you following? To redeem men. So in that Jesus obeys, in obedience to the Father, it was worship what? To the Father. Are you following? So our songs, our giving. So that's why you see when you talk about giving, giving is no longer about laws of Moses and stuff like that. Giving now has to be in obedience to the Father. Are, are you are you are you seeing how deep this thing is? It's not all this. Look, it's in obedience to the Father. The Father wants a done. We commit our resources in obedience to what the Father wants done. We don't stop until it is what? Done. Our, the focus is not our comfort. The focus is not our ambition. The focus is not our crown. The focus is what? 
does the father want? Are you following? That's worship. So let me end by this. I was looking like at the story of Pastor Iyadiboy. When you look at that man's life, that's a life of worship. How do I mean? Pastor Iyadiboy, all right, I think he became GEO of Redeem at around 33 or something. At the time he became GEO of Redeem, General of of Redeem, Redeem had 40 branches. They were not small, 40 branches. Even by today's standard, it's a lot. How many of you agree? If some people have 40 branches, they'll be shouting at the Omega Church of Anna. You understand? Yeah, and it's good. It's, you see, this is it. Go away, God. Amen. Yeah, they have 40 branches. So, Reverend Parakinami was no slack. But here's the beautiful thing. When you now look at the stories he tells, you will find out that the stories he tells about the leadings of God are a testament to worship. God said he should, in the 80s, or is it 90s, should go and buy, go, go and move to Lagos Ibadan Expressway, close to Guru Maharaji. And you go and, go and live there. That, that's the new place that they should. He doesn't have questions, doesn't talk stupid talk. He moves. Are you following? Now, everybody has moved with him. Obedience, that's worship. God told him in 98 to go and do a crusade in Lekki. So, you see, that is what it is. So the man who truly worships, there will be evidence that he fellowships with God. Are you following? Because once there is worship around the altar, fire will fall. Once the sacrifice is on the altar, fire will fall. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Check it. What thing has the Spirit told you to do that you haven't done? Think from now to tomorrow. You are not in obedience. You are not worshipping. Because worship is not in singing and gyrating. Worship is in what? Obedience. If Abraham had taken Isaac and went to offer him in front of his house, this is not obedience. Glory to God. It's not. Worship is obedience. Hallelujah. Spirit of God, say pray now. Obedience, worship. Why are you praying? The Spirit said. I pray other times. But the Spirit said pray now. So because the Spirit said pray now, I pray now. Are you following? Obedience. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? Have you been blessed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just lift up our hands and just begin to bless the Lord? You know, Next week, we will look at the fruit of our lips. Then, I think sometimes we'll now talk about holiness, conduct, as an expression of our worship. Singing about our worship, that is singing about the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, the only reason why our worship is accepted is because the sacrifice of Jesus was enough. Are you seeing that? So, when we want to sing, we sing about our worship. What's our worship? The sacrifice of what? Jesus. Alright, our worship is the Lamb, the Lord, prepared 
for himself. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can we just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody? Those of you in the hall, can we rise up on our feet praying tongues? I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. When I come to seek your face, I find mercy and grace. So I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. And I love to love you, O oh Lord my God. When I come to seek your face, I find mercy and grace And I love to love you Oh Lord my God I love to love you You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center for other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.